of a hangover is the day after Christmas. <laughs> as for Boxing Day, well, as far as I'm concerned, they can put me in one and bury it. <laughs> but you know, I thought I would talk tonight about your Christmas leftovers. Now, by that, I don't mean those relations that are still staying with you now. I don't suggest that you eat them. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> I have a fat little nephew who would look rather tempting with an apple in his mouth. <laughs> no, I'm talking about all these remnants, these pathetic relics of our Yuletide bacchanalia. Yeah. yeah. Now, I had toyed with the idea of telling you what to do with the remains of your Christmas pudding. <laughs> but as my father was a workhouse master, the memories were too painful. Oh, God, if only he'd taken out the hallway. <laughs> Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side as always in the command center and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And on this episode of Planet 8, we have the honor of having friend of Planet 8, Lord Bloodraw, with us for our Christmas with Vincent episode. That's right, we'll be talking about Vincent Leonard Price Jr. You know... What can you say about Vincent Price? Uh, he was a true Renaissance man, born in 1911, May 27, 1911, in St. Louis, Missouri. He started his film career early on. 1938, he was in a comedy. Comedy's name was Service de Lou. And, um, it, you know, he became a well-known character actor. He was in the Ten Commandments. I mean, come on. Ten Commandments. How many people can say they've been in that uh, movie? Uh, he went on to do, famously, horror movies, House of Wax, uh, The Last Man on Earth, which we talked about uh, in some earlier episodes. One of my personal favorites, The Abominable Dr. Fives, Theater of Blood. He worked with Roger Corman on the Edgar Allan Poe adaptations, House of Usher, The Pit and the Pendulum. I mean, heck, the man was even in a Batman, uh, several Batman episodes as Egghead. <laughs> so straight away, we're going to open it up to our esteemed panel, our intrepid members of, of today's Planet 8 podcast, and discuss the film's career and spirit of Vincent Price. Who'd like to start off? Very good. Lord Bloodraw, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was just um, the the probably deepest personal connection. I don't think this is the first time 
I was aware of Vincent Price, but the deepest personal connection I have is he was in the film that scared me most when I was a child, which was The Tingler. Yes. Tingler petrified me when I when I was a kid. And of course, he famously starred in it and famously was the first actor to ever have an acid trip on camera. He plays a scientist experimenting with um, fear because he believes wild plot. He believes that there's a microscopic thing in people's spines that grows to the size of the human spine and crushes the human spine excuse me, during times of extreme fear. And the only way to kill this thing is to scream, to relieve it. And then it shrinks back down to size. He manages to take one out. But in experimenting with fear, he takes an LSD trip. (laughs) And I think that that was pretty petrifying because as a kid, I'm like, ooh, drugs bad. That's not (laughs) drugs bad. And um, the scene in the theater, there's a scene where this creature is supposed to get loose in the in the theater. And they do an entire blackout, and the audience screams. And as a kid, I was sure that uh, the tingler was going to get me that night. So that that was probably the most powerful exposure I had to Vincent Price. Well, that was the William Castle. Uh, Castle. Uh, my mother talked. She actually went to see it in a theater. Oh. And uh, you know they had the hot plate set up on on the seats, and there were kids jumping out of their chairs and just added to the whole uh, uh, experience. But. Yeah. Oh, no, they, they weren't hot plates. They were vibrators. Or, yeah, little, hot, hot plates would have been multiple lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> no, but a lot of people yeah. think that uh, all the seats were wired. Yeah. No. And that's not the case. It's like certain seats were wired, and you'd see somebody jump, and you see someone else jump, and then you just, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like when you uh, see a spider in the house, and for the next half hour, you're like itching different parts of your body. Oh, it feels like a spider's on me. Well, that and William Castle would not pay for every single seat to be wired. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. The man was the man was a showman, but he was frugal. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a great gimmick. I mean, Vincent Price, oh, you know, yeah. the tingler's loose in the theater, and then people start jumping and screaming, and you know, and just the whole audience people. participation thing about everybody scream, you know. That's right. Right, right. There are people who swear that that film was in color. And as I recall, I haven't seen it for a while. Isn't it just like the last like minute? Or no, so? the, the fascinating thing about that is there's one scene where I the think it's the woman's trip. having the, the LSD trip. And she goes yeah. in the bathroom, she turns on the faucet, and red blood comes out of the faucet. Okay. Right. And I was reading up the, the way they did that which is amazing is they shot it in color, but you know, you don't, ha- you, you don't have CG and you can't colorize things back then. Right. So all the, the walls of the bathroom and the sink and everything were all shades of gray, wow. physically painted shades of gray. Wow. The woman had, you know, a white or gray dress or white or gray clothes. And, pancake makeup to make her look gray and then when they turn the faucet on of course the red water comes out and that was the only thing that was actually color but yeah the whole thing was shot in color it was just a black and white set basically a black and white actress and red blood coming out of the faucet that's amazing. I, w- I wondered how they did that with the you know the kind of technology available back then. Yeah. I wondered how they did that. 
Yeah, William Castle was a well. This is a Vincent Price episode, but yeah. William Castle. <laughs> but I mean, that, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a big step up. I mean, credit. I was you know as of this recording today, I was watching Sven Gulli last night, and he had How to Make a Monster, right. and of course they just switch to the final scene. You know, as all, when they get to his house, to the makeup artist's house, then it's all in color, right. or like Teenage Frankenstein, where he. The Frankenstein monster gets electrocuted, it turns color. Right. Or uh, what was the other one? Was uh, Amazing Colossal Man, Man. when he grabs the phone wires or the high tension wires and it goes color while he's getting shocked. Mm -hmm. But this was just uh, just the concept, you know, for someone to come up with, hey, we're, you know, this is a black and white movie, but we're going to shoot this one part in color and just the red. Blood coming out of the faucet will be will be in color. It's like, and then figuring out how to do that, how to pull it off. That's something that Spielberg borrowed for Schindler's List, right? The girl in the red dress, right? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. But then again, by the time you get to Schindler's Schindler's List, you could colorize things, right? Yeah, so I'm yeah. sure it was much easier for him to do than it was for. <laughs> it wasn't a quote unquote practical effect. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was my the deepest personal connection I have is is that. But then seeing him, you know, on Batman as Egghead, where he's hilarious. And, right. Um, all the talk shows that he appeared on when we were when we were kids in the early 70s. And he was he was everywhere. He was ubiquitous. Hollywood Squares he appeared on. Yeah. <laughs> right. He was, he yeah. Got, the man he was, was everywhere. It's at one point. <laughs> Right? Yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah, I think. I'm sure my first exposure to Vincent Price had to be Batman, had to be Egghead, just because at the time, yeah, I, I'm an old guy, so I was like, you know, six, seven years old when Batman was on, and I used to watch it religiously. So, um, yeah, I'm sure at six or seven, my first exposure to Vincent Price was probably as Egghead, mm. and uh, and he, you know, one of his episodes, of course, features the uh, Batgirl saber dance. <laughs> but, wow. uh, but, uh, but really you know, my first uh, I think I've told this story on the podcast before but the very first horror sci-fi film I ever saw that got me into this and pushed me down the road to where we are now was The Fly mm -hmm. and so you know obviously I have Vincent Price to thank for uh for all this stuff, the crazy stuff we do, but um, yeah, the fly was definitely the first, uh, the first Vincent Price film I saw, and we did an episode on the fly. But um, yeah, it's just uh, you know, great film and made a big impact on me when I saw it. And you know, of course, Vincent Price was a big part of that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of an uncharacteristic role for him, though, in in uh, the horror movie genre he's usually yeah. the baddie and in that he was you know the good guy yeah yeah it was a non-horror role in a horror film mm -hmm. yeah in that movie and there are people today who will say oh yeah vincent price he was the fly no he was, no, he was not the fly <laughs> he was in it <laughs> but yeah no david hedison voyage to the bottom of the sea he was right. the fly right but um, yeah, vincent price has had so many different kind of the comeback kid wasn't he he had so many different facets to his career where he'd kind of run run hot and cold you know of mm -hmm. course the the uh, well he did the two roger corman films 
which really kind of kind of put him front and center in horror. You know, that started actually with with House of Wax, really. I mean, he his first horror role was uh, Return of the Invisible Man. Yeah, right. Return, yeah, Return of the Invisible Man. And uh, that was and? his first full horror role. But then, you know, William Castle kind of cemented that with House on Haunted Hill and and the Tangler. Then the Poe films with uh, Roger Corman. Yeah. And from there on, he was just, you know, the, the master of uh, of any of uh, how did how did William Castle put it? Not William Castle, uh, Roger Corman, the master of. Not all, not all things Poe. He came up with a ridiculous word. For <laughs> Edgar Allan Poeian or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I think the funnest thing for me watching all these Vincent Price movies was just seeing the AIP logo pop up at the beginning of <laughs> almost all of them. For, oh, yeah. For yeah, yeah. me, it's funny because I was trying to think, is there, there's, is there a distinct moment or incident that I can recall. And there really isn't. Um, I think like a lot of these, you know, characters or movies or genres, I was introduced to Price probably by my mom. Uh, my mom did like to watch, you know, old horror films like the Universal Monsters. That's how I came to those. Um, but she also just liked really old movies in general. And I, I know she, I remember her talking about Dragon Wick and Vincent Price was in that. So I probably, you know, saw him in that at some point as I hung out with her. Um, but I know, like you're talking about Frank, he was in a lot of talk shows and I do remember him doing the cooking, mm -hmm. you know, segments on some of those shows and remember connecting him with cookbooks and being, you know, sort of this, um, very uh, uh, kind of elegant gentleman who would come on the shows and talk about cooking and art and all those things, but then also connecting him with like Dr. Fives. You know, that was one of my mom's favorite movies because she kind of liked the whole revenge angle, which, you know, she could relate to that. My mom could relate to it. Um, but, you know, it was like, oh, you know, he's he's not really that scary guy. He's this, you know, very, um, uh, you know, erudite gentleman who knows about art and literature and, and cooking. And but then he plays these scary men, you know, and then you'd buy like some of these horror magazines and he'd be in, you know, all the pictures and stuff and articles. And so it was like, oh, you know. He just he has all these different talents. He's an actor and he's an art expert. And it was like, wow, he's really, you know, like Larry said, a renaissance man. And oh, yeah. he was kind of the first person I think I could connect that idea with that, you know, he's just got his fingers in so many different things. He's oh, yeah. multi-talented, you know. And um, when I started getting into old time radio shows and specifically old time radio horror he has a whole he, he had a bbc series called the price of fear huh. which was really unique because he hosted it but he also starred in all the episodes and these were supposed to be like adventures that he had while making <laughs> films these like paranormal or supernatural events that would happen during his during his life and it was it's a really great show i posted some some episodes of it on on my podcast and on and earlier is great stuff and you know speaking of radio he was uh the saint on yeah, radio he was the first years. simon wow. templar 
Simon Templar, yeah. Well, he had an incredible voice, so that seems surprised. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have think a whole he... other career as a recording artist um, right. uh, with uh, the Horn Book for Witches and his um, other story LPs. Yeah. Well, Larry would probably know more about this, too. but um, didn't he record like the opening to one of the haunted houses for Disneyland, one of the Disneyland mm-hmm. parks? Yeah, it's uh, Disneyland, the Paris. It's the Phantom, Phantom Manor. Phantom uh, yeah, Manor. Manor. Um, he's had, you know, like we were saying just a career that he, he, he was in a little bit of everything. I'm, I'm reading here. Vincent Price recorded a number of audio cooking tutorials titled international cooking course. And these were, uh, you know, the, the titles were bounty of paradise, classical Spanish cuisine, cuisina italiana delights from the Sultan's pantry dinner at the Casbah. I mean, <laughs> Who wouldn't want to listen to these, you know, tutorials? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and that man's voice, definitely. You know, this week on Dinosaur, Vincent Price sharing with you <laughs> culinary delights from, you know, to the Orient. <laughs> okay. And mo- most of his recipes have to do with eggs, right? <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> I have an excellent recipe for you today. <laughs> you know, Bob, I, I was thinking, I, I want to say... Egghead was my first introduction, if not Egghead, because my mother as well just loves. Yeah, I was talking to her yesterday. Hey, mom, what are you doing? Oh, I'm getting ready to watch uh, um, Sven uh, Sven Gulli on uh, you know TV. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know Saturday nights. That's what mom does. You know, son, how's your friend Lord Bloodraw? Let him know I enjoyed his latest. Uh, yeah, really? Oh, tell her thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, if, if it wasn't Egghead, it was uh, Last Man on Earth because she loved oh. I, I love it too. I mean, that's one of my favorite films uh, of his and um, probably in my top 50. Um, mm-hmm. I won't do my Morgan impersonation, but that, you know, <laughs> Morgan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> e- easily the, be- the best adaptation of that novel. Yeah. Um, legend. Easily the best. You know, it will make a man's fun. Right, right. And it strays a lot from the book, so. Yeah. It, it does, but it, it is it is fun. And you look at the films, there were a lot of films that were done in Italy, um, in England at that time by, you know, whether it was AIP or whomever. And Vincent Price was in a lot of those films where everyone else was speaking a different language. And he's just like, well, you know, yes, we must get down to the basement soon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is strange because you, you can tell in that film everyone is dubbed, including Vincent, but Vincent dubs himself. <laughs> he dubs himself. I know. <laughs> yeah. like, okay. Oh, speaking of that, I uh, the um, Doctor Goldfoot movies. Oh, now there were there were two of those: Doctor Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine, which I just watched Dr. the other night. Really? All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Doctor Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs. Igor, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, Dr. Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs, if I'm not mistaken, was Mario Baba? Really? I think directed uh, that. That I'm not That's sure crazy. of. I am I am not sure. People are probably screaming at their, their listening devices saying, no, you idiot, it wasn't. But anyway, whoever directed it did not want to do it. <laughs> so they they shot it and the director basically threw the script out. Said, OK, we'll just we'll just we'll we'll get through this thing. So a lot of the dialogue was improvised. 
Oh, wow. So they went through the film, shot the film. The film, supposedly, even according to Vincent Price, was a disaster. <laughs> About a month after shooting, the everybody in the cast got a call. We lost the sound reels. We have to ADR the whole thing. <laughs> but they threw away the script. So they essentially had to try to remember what they said on the day oh and God. match it with match it with the footage. What a nightmare. I mean, that, uh, that film is a, is atrocious, but it's fun. What's the name of the movie again? Uh, Lord Dr. Goldfoot to... and the Girl Bombs. And the Girl Bombs. I need yeah. to look that one up. See, I watched Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine, but I did not right. get to Girl Bombs, though. Uh, but you, now you, I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean just for just 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 for the ridiculousness of the experience, sure. Yeah. Oh god. Absolutely. That is hilarious. <laughs> uh Yeah, it was uh 1966. It was Dr. Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs. Man. All right. You know, and, and that's, on the, that's on the Sorry, list. Mario Baba. Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. He <laughs> sort of reminds me of Michael Caine. It's sort of like, you want me to make a movie? Sure. What's it about? I don't care. I'll just make it. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's that's wonderfully endearing about him because whatever he was doing, he always, you know, you got the feeling he was having the most fun on the set. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that he's really, no matter what it was, he's having a great time doing what he's doing. Well, I mean, he had a whole story about when he, I mean, Basically, one of his favorite roles was Egghead. Mm -hmm. And he's got a whole – there's a story somewhere in an interview where he's talking about playing Egghead. And he actually started an egg fight on the set. Like, mm -hmm. they weren't rolling or whatever, but they had all these eggs. And they have an egg fight in one of the episodes. But, yeah, they had all these eggs and he just started throwing them and <laughs> they all joined in. It was almost like, you know, like a Three Stooges short. As an extreme aside, I was watching this short vignette that was a Saturday Night Live where um, Superman had died, and it was Superman's funeral. And everyone would ask once in a while, where's Clark? He's so insensitive not to be. Isn't Clark and Superman best friends? <laughs> and uh, they, they had Batman given the eulogy and the penguins out there, and it's a Burgess Meredith version of the penguin. And Batman's pouring his heart out about Superman, and the penguins, wah, wah, wah. And Batman's like, you insensitive asshole. Why would you be laughing at a time like this? And he says, it's the way I cry, too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I... Speaking of SNL, yeah. uh, Bill Hader did uh, two or three sketches that were Vincent Price holiday specials. Remember where he those. impersonates Vincent Price and has these celebrities on. It's supposed to be, you know, standard old variety holiday special. They're on YouTube. Look them up. They're hilarious. And Bill <laughs> Hader, of course, does a magnificent Vincent Price because he's an amazing talent. Yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, – those are good. Yeah, yeah. Well, now you have ideas for sound bites, Chief. <laughs> I was going to say this is our Vincent Price holiday special anyway, so. There you go. We'll get, we'll get some clips in somewhere. I have to say, uh, one of the more fun experiences I had with Vincent Price was um, they re-released House of Wax in 3D, I think in the late 80s. 
And I might have seen it. Yep. I want to say it might have been the Grand Lake Theater. Um, man, that was fun seeing mm-hmm. that 3D. And, of mm-hmm. course, that like beautiful Technicolor. Um, that was just a, like a highlight. Uh, and, you know, it's a great film. It's a, it's a really excellent film of his. But uh, sitting there with the 3D glasses on and watching it, that was a hoot. Yeah, I was watching uh, House of Wax last week, and uh, not in 3D, but the, I do have the 3D Blu-ray disc, but my 3D TV is in the back bedroom for video games these days. So I did watch the movie, though, and I hadn't seen it in a long time, and for some reason, I remembered it being like black and white, probably because it's been so long, I had a black and white TV at the time, but <laughs> but yeah, no, it looked amazing in color, and uh and Vincent Price is great in the movie, and uh, yeah. oh yeah, so yeah, I was I was very impressed with it. I didn't remember how good it was until I rewatched it. One of the strangest things I watched for this episode was an episode of Here's Lucy, <laughs> <laughs> which was the show Lucy had after I Love Lucy, and. Uh, so in the episode, Lucy acquires this painting accidentally at an auction, and she spends $50 on it, which was a lot of money for her. And uh, I forgot, it was, man, it was incredibly sexist. I have to say, the episode was very sexist. She had to beg uh, Gail Gordon, who was her boss at the real estate place where she worked for the money to cover her buying this thing. And then... Uh, Somebody on the show says, oh, well, remember, you talked to Vincent Price's wife the other day about this such and such. And Vincent Price is such an art expert. Maybe he can tell you because it was an unsigned painting. Maybe it's a painting by a great artist. You should have him look at it. So, of course, she's like, oh, yeah. So she calls up Vincent Price's wife and says, well, would your husband look at this painting for me? And, you know, sure, bring it over Tuesday or whatever. So then they cut to Vincent Price, and he's in his home, and his producer of this movie has set up a room in Vincent Price's home to look just like a mad scientist's laboratory because they just want to film in his house for some reason. Right. Because it would be convenient for Vincent Price, right? So um, in the meantime, Lucy's kids are like, oh, you, we're, we're not happy about you going to see Vincent Price. You know, he's kind of cuckoo. And she's like, no, he's just an actor. Those are just roles he plays. And... So, of course, you know, she goes over to see him. He thinks she's an actress coming to rehearse with him. And he starts going into his role saying, you know, I'm going to take your brain out of your body. And she flips out. And anyway, it was pretty hilarious, actually. Um, you know, mayhem ensued and yeah. Lucy <laughs> running around the lab screaming and Vincent Price chasing her. Eventually, he does evaluate the painting, and it's completely worthless, and he somehow comes out ahead with $250. So (laughs) (laughs) it was pretty funny. But again, it was like that, you know, snapshot of him with the – everybody thinks of him as both this horror actor but also this art connoisseur. Um, And, uh, yeah, it was pretty cute stuff. Who excelled at comedy. He did did wonderful comedy um, for – for Chiller Diller Theater, uh, about a month ago, we ho- we did um, Theater of Blood. And as a short before the thing, I put together some clips of Vincent Price doing various things. And there's was, there was a clip from uh, him on the Dean Martin show playing a vampire. 
And he's had to be on. He's had to be like Halloween episodes, and uh, uh, he's you know basically bites uh, uh, Dean Martin on the neck and says, "Whatever that is, that isn't kosher." <laughs> <laughs> and him, him, and Boris Karloff on the Red Skelton show. Yeah, I saw playing that. Playing father and son, mad scientists putting together a monster. <laughs> and yeah, he he excelled at that kind of thing no matter what he did he just it seemed to have a great time doing it you know? well there's also like a clip of him with kermit the frog which uh oh yes i think was like sesame street or something but um mm-hmm. yeah and there was there was a canadian uh children's show i believe in the 70s might have been the 80s i'm not sure called the hilarious house of frightenstein that Vincent Price was on. He did the he did the intro and the exit, but then throughout, he did these poems, yes. introducing the characters as they were to come on and do their various various skits. And it, it, the whole thing's on YouTube, so you can mm-hmm. look up the the hilarious House of Frightenstein, entire episodes and his individual bits, and they're wonderful. And you can see again, you know, it's like <clears throat> they put them on a set. Gave him a box of costumes and a box of props. Here's the script, Vincent. Go. And you know that he was just playing and, you know, putting on the robes and the crowns and the hats and the, grabbing a prop and doing the thing. You know that he was just playing. You could tell right. that the man was just playing and having a wonderful time. And that's infectious. When you watch a performer just play, that feeling that good time is infectious. Yeah. That well, program, my friend Jeff always talks about it. He, he yeah. was like, you know, grew up watching that, and uh, he would tell me about Vincent Price's part in it. So mm-hmm. I've checked out a couple of those videos. It is fun. They're very fun. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my um, favorite episodes of the Night Gallery was Vincent Price as a Satanist, and Bill Bixby. He was trying to like possess Bill Bixby or convert Bill Bixby. And it really scared the crap out of me. I mean, this was not, you know, the lovable Uncle Vincent that we've no. seen in, you know, uh, Dinah Shore and, and Johnny Carson. He was scary. The Return of the Sorcerer. Yeah, I think is what it's called. Yeah, one sorcerer. of the scariest episodes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just very nightmarish. Good. Very good. And also uh, the class of 1999, where he plays a college professor doing yeah. oral exams. Yes, and that the was big a good kind one of too. twist at the end. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't say enough good things about the Night Gallery. Uh, just as an aside, I'll put that out there. I love it. There are some classic episodes. Some episodes didn't age very well, but I always well, love. You that know, show. Every, every series out there, I think, has a Spock's brain episode or two. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's Agreed. not forget. Vincent Price as the heavy in the Brady Bunch episode when they went to. Uh, I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like we were talking about all the different ways people come to Vincent Price instead of, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's like, how (laughs) many different ways can you get to Vincent Price? There's like a zillion different ways to Vincent Price. That's the game. Yeah, that's right. right. That's the game. He was in every. Yeah. Saying before we started recording, my wife, you know, as I was watching all these Vincent Price movies and TV shows, she would occasionally look up and be like, hey, that's the voice in, in Michael Jackson's thriller. And I'm like, yep, that's right. That's that's Vincent Price. She'd look up. That's Edward Scissorhands' father. I'm like, yes, yes it is. <laughs> you know, 
why is he such a mean man killing these people in this movie? Well, you know, he's an actor, dear. And um... <laughs> it's, it's funny because, like, I think about people who have, like, second acts or third acts, like, like Shatner. Yeah. I'll think about, you know, he did Star Trek and then he was in kind of a down period. You know, you read about him living in a, his camper, you know, doing dinner theater and stuff. But then he kind of comes back. He's the Star Trek movies. He has Boston Legal and all that, you know, so he had some ups and downs. But like Price seems to have just sort of kept transitioning throughout. Yeah. He didn't seem to have any big downs as far as I can tell. He just kind of his career just kind of went here, there and everywhere, you know. And if he wasn't making a horror film, then he was, you know, on the Brady Bunch or he was on a cooking show or, you know, he was just doing a little bit of everything throughout his career and his, you know, maybe you knew him because you like heard the thriller, you, you saw the thriller video, or maybe you knew him because you saw him on the Brady Bunch or maybe because you watched a Roger Corman film. You, you, he was kind of always present, but in different, you know, different areas, you know, and maybe somebody got into him from one thing. I think Frankie brought up the Alice Cooper album and maybe oh, yes. that way you'd go watch a movie right so That's right. yeah welcome to and he was in the movie welcome to my nightmare with with alice cooper as the curator of the museum yeah there you go. I, I think it was because he was so open to everything because what like watching vincent price's films you wouldn't think he would be on a on a rock album with alice cooper because <laughs> you wouldn't think that you would think he would as an actor he would think, no that would be beneath me no he was open to doing Anything that he thought would be fun. Well, he was a working actor, you it's know, and I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. What was going to be fun and interesting? What was going to be challenging? Maybe, you know, it paid good and it wasn't going to be that challenging, <laughs> right? you know, in in researching, you know, I didn't get to watch all these TV shows, but apparently he was in an episode of the Bionic Woman, Columbo, um, Love American Style, Get Smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, man from Uncle F Troop. I don't remember seeing him in F Troop. But... <laughs> I do. <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> I do. He played a vampire. He played. Uh, oh my god! I want to say Count Count Schwarza. <laughs> something like that. Count Schwarza. <laughs> it was something like that. I can't remember exactly, but I, I think it was Count Schwarza. Count, yeah. Count Belchula. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, he plays a vampire. Of all things at F Troop, he plays a vampire that, that moves into That's into hilarious. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he was in Abbott and Stella uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Yes. Briefly. His voice was, yeah. Voice. And, and that's right, mm-hmm. Bob. His voice was as the invisible man mm-hmm. at the end of the movie. So I think he was in a Disney cartoon too. Hold on a minute. The great mouse detective, wasn't it? Well, there was a, that CG yeah. short Vincent that he was in. Oh yes. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. six minutes long or something. But I think yeah. really Vincent Price is kind of – he embraced his persona. So he mm-hmm. never really said, you know, oh, I don't want to do this because I don't want to get type, typecast. Right. You know, right. or yeah. I want a different role or this or that. He just opened up his arms and took whatever came in. That's right. That's and, and he did well with it too. I mean I was yeah. watching The Abominable Dr. Fives Returns last night. Mm. And he just ate up every scene. He's sitting there having brunch or dinner with Volnavia and taking you – know, and, and he's not flinching or smiling. He takes the spoon and pours it in the side of his neck. You know? It's like, <laughs> what 
that's yeah, I'm Dr. Five. That's how I eat. <laughs> you know, it, it's just fascinating to me. Yeah. And that, I mean, the, in both of those films, think about how hard that is as an actor because he's supposed to be a stone-faced mute that is speaking through a cord coming out of his neck. So mm-hmm. he isn't actually doing the lines as he's on camera. That's ADR'd later. So everything, right. everything had to come through just his eyes and the way he was like moving his jaw and right. without opening his mouth and without speaking. Incredible there was such performance. inflection with the jaw and the bottom of his chin, you know, yes. when he's, like commenting. And look, it, it's schlock, but at one point he needed, he didn't have a speaker. So he, uh, Volnavia is holding this huge trumpet trombone and he mm-hmm. plugs into that for the echo. So his voice could mm-hmm. emulate. And I'm like, <laughs> Again, he's not flinching. He's just he's going with it. He's like, okay, let's do this. And at one point, I forgot. It, I don't, it might have been the same scene. He's eating, and he starts kind of coughing, and he reaches into the hole and pulls out a fishbone from the <laughs> he hole. In pulls his... out a fishbone. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we had the good fortune, Karen and I. I'm not sure if you and Bob were there, uh, Lord Bloodraw, at one of the Monster Paloozas, where his daughter. Um, yes. wrote a book and she was talking about, you know, life with her father and, um, or no, it was, uh, Vincent Price, a daughter's biography. Mm-hmm. And she told such great stories, you know, about her father offset, the family man loving to play trivial pursuit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, when he was getting ready to pass away, the family came around his children and sat on the bed and, he couldn't really talk too well, and they were playing family or trivial pursuit. God, I can't think of yeah. what the question was. Something like testicular fortitude, or something like that. It had to, it had to do with with orchids. Orchids. What is, yes. what is the root? What What is the root uh, meaning of the word orchid, or something like that? Yeah. Right. He, he jumps up out of bed and he says. Balls. <laughs> Balls. <laughs> He's back down. Yeah. Um, She's wonderful. Victoria yeah. Price is absolutely wonderful. Um, she was a guest up at um, Sinister Creatures Con. Mm. And, and I was there and I had a table. And I could see her coming down the aisle. And I have a Vincent Price collection. It's three episodes of three films that I hosted with Vincent Price. And I was selling the DVD. And I saw her coming and I thought, oh, I wonder if this is going to be a problem because I because I know that a lot of family members of of stars are rather protective of, you know, it's like she might even though these films that I hosted are public domain, she might think, oh, this guy, who is this guy profiting off of my father? And she came to the table and we talked a little bit and I just thought, well, I'm just going to, you know, say, so. by the way, I have this collection of, you know, films of your father. And she's looked at, she's, oh, that's wonderful. She looked at the DVD and turned it over, looked at it, said, well, that's wonderful. Thank you for promoting my father's memory. There you go. And I thought, oh, that's wonderful. So, of course, I gave her the please. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Obviously, Bella Lugosi's son hadn't got to her yet. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Be nice, Bob. Be nice. I'm I'm just saying one thing about uh, Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine that I didn't realize going into it was that one of the stars is Susan Hart. Oh, yeah. I just couldn't get that out of my head. I couldn't separate her from the evil entity that she is now. uh, (laughs) So it was hard to just like 
take her as a character in the movie. It was just like yeah. she'd come on and yeah. just be like, oh, oh man, oh, oh, Mrs. Huffines. Yeah, right. God, was I reading something or was I watching a an interview and they were like, oh, let's, you know. They hired Vincent Price for the role, but they wanted Bella Lugosi, and and they gave up on Bella Lugosi when they realized Bella had passed away two years ago. <laughs> and so I'm trying to think of where I came across that information, but anyway, I, I thought it was interesting. Well, there's something similar to that with um, the film that Sven just did, How to Make a Monster. Hmm. Yeah, Arkoff wanted Lugosi. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, well, yeah, he's dead to play the makeup person yeah. yeah he had passed away like two years earlier right that is too funny um you know i kind of want to go out and get one of his cookbooks now i would love to get that 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 treasury of great recipes or if i got what, what the classic one that he did yeah i'd love to get that but you know it's kind of funny when you see some of these recipes from like the 50s and 60s and there's some really odd combinations of things that like like jello and spam and it's sort of oh. like, you know, there's just stuff that we don't really eat nowadays that's like bananas and ham. It, yeah, it's just like, what the hell, people? <laughs> well, it's kind of like when you go into a fancy restaurant and you look at, you know, what's what's in a certain dish. And it'd be like, you're reading this list and it's like, oh, this sounds really good. And then it's always like the final ingredient. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> the final <laughs> wow. ingredient always ruins the whole dish. Oh, shall, uh, shallots, honey, black pepper, <laughs> lark's vomit. What? <laughs> lark's vomit. <laughs> you know, one of the things that people aren't really aware of is um, Vincent Price uh, studied history uh, at Yale. And, uh, you know, he and his wife uh, were art lovers, and they actually um, donated uh, pieces of art and money to establish the Vincent Price Art Museum at East Los Angeles College. And that's out in Monterey Park, California. I've never visited, but it's going to be on my list of places to, to check out. Um, the collection, it's over 9,000 pieces and estimated to be in excess of value of $5 million. He was also, if I'm not mistaken, the art buyer for the Sears Home Arts Program, I believe right? I believe he, he procured the art for that was reproduced and sold in uh, in Sears under the Vincent Price collection. Yeah, I think you're right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, that just adds to his renaissance. Uh, you know, what an interesting. I would have loved to have sat there even for just like an hour, you know, oh. fifteen minutes. You know, and and talk about the life that he lived and the career that that he had you know just fascinating and a far-ranging conversation too not just his films but on everything art food history just everything it was a, yeah really really astounding man yeah i'd be like mr price how did you go from Abominable Dr. Fives to an episode of Scooby-Doo and the 13 Ghouls. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a fascinating story. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, a story that I love. It's um, when Vincent Price was on the set of the, the Witchfinder General, which was released here as the Conqueror Worm. 
And it's it's actually it's it's the one film of Vincent Price's that I I don't care for his performance in because it's so mean uh, and it doesn't it has none of that even so slight wink to the audience. I mean, in this, he is absolutely just cold evil. Mm. And um, Michael Reeves was the the director of the film. And purportedly, they didn't get along because he kept telling Vincent, pull it back, pull it back, less, less, pull it back, pull it back. And supposedly, at one point, Vincent Price said, young man, I have appeared in over 80 motion pictures. What have you done? To which Michael Reeves said, I've made two good ones. Oh. <laughs> and this isn't uh, one of them. And this isn't one of them. Yeah, right. Well, no, it's, it's a great film. Don't, don't get me wrong. Witchfinder General is a great horror film, but I would put it close to last as far as Vincent Price performances, even though he's great in the film. I mean, there's a certain – when you think of Vincent Price, you think of that – frankly slightly over the top stylized performance that he just does so well right that is just the hallmark of a charm that that's yes yes that's a great word for it It has that charm about him that is lacking in this film but then again it it is the performance that works within the movie so because the thing is you want you kind of want to like him you don't, you want, you, yeah, you want to be scared by him, but not so scared that you really think, Jesus, this guy's really going to kill me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That really comes across in uh, uh, Mask of the Red Death for me, which I think is one of, one of his best performances. And a, an underrated film, I think, period, because that film, horror film, obviously based on Edgar Allan Poe's Mask of the Red Death, uh, takes a lot of liberties because it has to, you know, uh, padded out to an entire film. Yeah. But it is the most ambiguous film because it doesn't say, okay, here is good, here is evil. It's uh, uh, Vincent Price's character, Prince Prospero, is essentially a satanic evangelist. And he's trying to turn this young girl from the village towards the worship of Satan. And when he's talking to her about it, he makes some good points that they don't even try to knock down in the movie. So that towards the end of the film, as she leaves, she's totally bewildered. She doesn't know which way to go with it. She's like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, and she kind of leaves, and then the, the the film kind of of carries on, and in the end is what what the end is. But it has this wonderful look at you know what is good what is evil mm-hmm. and towards the end of the film you kind of the message is kind of it doesn't matter it is what it is and people will turn these things into verse into forms of worship but that's not what it's that's not what it's about brilliant brilliant film and what uh, his performance as prince prospero is fantastic well, I thought uh, another film that had great performances all the way around was The Raven. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. You've got Vincent Price and you got Peter Lorre and you got mm-hmm. Boris Karloff and, you know, it's a, it's a comedy. But, yeah, I mean, all three actors just chew up the scenery in every oh, scene yeah. they're in. Oh, yeah. 
And what I've heard is that film would probably have fallen apart without Vincent Price in it because Boris Karloff and Peter Lorre didn't quite get along on set because Boris Karloff, you know, strictly trained actor, you go by the script, you memorize the script, you go with it. Whereas Peter Lorre, the script was a suggestion (laughs) and he was just ad-libbing all over the place. And Vincent Price was right down the middle because he can handle both. He knew the script, but with Peter Lorre, if Peter Lorre ad-libs a line at him, he can come right back at him with an ad-lib line or top him or play with him. Hmm. So he was kind of the glue that uh, both that film and uh, Comedy of Terrors. Comedy of Terrors, yeah. All three of them in in that film, too. And he kind of brought both actors together with the way he played with both of them. Well, I know in The Raven, most of the scenes are – Vincent Price and Peter Lorre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not until towards the end where Boris Karloff kind of comes in and the three of them are are interacting. Mm-hmm. And they're hilarious together. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. are hilarious. Oh, in, um, oh, oh, it's escaping me. What is the film? It's a, it's a, it's an anthology film where, uh, Peter Lorre plays the drunk the wino and Vincent Price is a wine connoisseur. Oh, come on. It's it's one of the it's one of the Roger Corman films and it's an anthology. It's not is it maybe it might be Tales of Terror. Tales of Yeah, I was just thinking. I think I it's believe. I think it's Tales of Terror. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're amazing comedic performance between uh as I say Peter Lorre is a total drunk wino. <laughs> that uh, leaves the house and comes on to this wine tasters convention. And he just kind of stumbles in and challenges Vincent Price, who is this total foppish, well-known wine expert, to a tasting contest. And th- that is, it's just a, an incredible scene, amazing scene where, you know, Laurie is just drunk out of his mind and Vincent Price trying to be so proper. And, and then, But playing that for laughs as well, it's a great scene. Yeah, Tales of Terror. It's got to be Tales of Terror, I believe. I think yeah. it is. I to go back and see that. Yeah. One of the things, too, in, in researching this, I never realized. I know that Bobby Boris Pickett, you know, he did the Monster Mash, mm-hmm. but that Vincent Price recorded a cover. Mm-hmm. 45. Oh. I, I never – so I'm, I'm going to be on the lookout for that so I can hear <laughs> that cover of the uh, – Monster, Monster Mash. Mash. Yeah, he, he did it, but I don't think it ever really went anywhere. It was actually released as a single, but it kind of bombed at the time. I never heard about that. Yeah, so I'm going to check that out. It's it's not, it's not great. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> although my favorite version of the Monster Mash was done by the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. Really? <laughs> In Britain, they did it on a on a show uh, called uh, uh, Do Not Adjust Your Set. I believe a, a uh, British show and it's, and there's a video out of it that they did on this show. It's great. It, it's my favorite version of it with all due respect to, to Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a live version by the beach boys as well. Really? Oh, yeah. now that, I, that I'd not seen. Okay. That is cool. There's probably a version somewhere in Peter Jackson's Eight Hours of Get Back. There's everything else. I watched yeah, every minute not? of the Eight Hours. I can tell you, it's not in there. But 
yeah. and everything else. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I wish we could have seen was a third Dr. Fibes film. And I know there was talk mm-hmm. of doing it. And I think there was actually a book paperback that came out. Uh, the title eludes me, but um, that would have been pretty cool. Yeah, I had heard there were a couple of ideas for a third one. Uh, I believe one of it was the it was either going to be called well, depending on the script. One was supposed to be, I think, the Twelve Nights of Doctor Fives, mm-hmm. where the murders were based on the twelve the Twelve Days of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have fit into this episode perfectly. <laughs> yeah, it would have, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. And then supposedly, because um, the Count Yorga movies, mm-hmm. the, the vampire films, there was going to be a um, Dr. Fives meets Count Yorga film. So Ooh. it was kind of kicked around for a while. None of these films ever ever came to pass, unfortunately. But the, the, the 12 Nights of, of Dr. Fives would have been, yeah, I'm on board. Yeah. That would have been great. That would have been cool. Um, yeah, you know, uh, he, he had a good life. He had a long life. He, uh, mm-hmm. he, he did, you know, he wasn't afraid. Uh, I'll, I'll give him that. Some, some of the things that he did were very successful. Some were not. Karen had talked about Shatner earlier and there's this song that Shatner has on his has been album. And, uh, God, what's the name of that song? And he's, you know, basically he, when he, it hasn't happened yet hasn't happened yet yeah and uh you know you get some accolades in your career you get some recognition and then most of the time it's like you're struggling to to get work um so whether it was you know the lucy show dr fives or dinah shore uh vincent was out there you know and it's a testament all these years he passed away in uh october of 93 mm-hmm and um he is a hollywood icon i mean um you know he's he's up there with the greats and oh yeah uh, it's a lot of fun talking about him today i'm sure we could go on uh more uh talking about him more but we're at that point in the show uh, before we get into the uh sensor sweep uh i saw red on twitter and price had passed away so Rest in peace, uh, Anne Rice. Rice. Anne oh, Rice. I thought, I thought you said, you said Anne Price. Price. I was like, who's Anne Price? No, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Rice <laughs> without the P. <laughs> and uh, famously, the author of the, uh, the the Vampire Lestat books, Interview with the Vampire and, and so forth. So anyway, our thoughts and prayers are with uh, her family. And we also lost uh, Michael Nesmith, who... Uh, and Michael Nesmith. Rego- you know... In relation to this show, he did Repo Man. <laughs> and what was the other one? Time Cop? That's right. He yeah. was in Time Cop. He, yeah, he uh, produced Repo yeah. Man. Yeah. I did not know that. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. He, he was, yeah. Um, so they say it comes in three. So t- sometime between our recording this and the episode coming out, somebody is marked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope it's none of us. Nobody speculate. Yeah. <laughs> You'll feel horrible if you're right. Yeah, nobody speculate. But uh, on to um, cheerier, chippier, uh, happier uh, things. We're going <laughs> to uh, play a promo for uh, Lord Blood Raw, and then Lord Blood Raw himself will share some of his um, upcoming appearances and um, 
things he has in the in the works. So uh, take it away, Chief. Play that promo for us, and then Lord Bloodraw, you have the sensor sweep. Please leave your eyes at the door. You will not need them. Lord Bloodraw's nerve-wracking auditorium presents the best of old-time radio, horror, and science fiction. Tales of terror and the uncanny that unfold on the stage of your imagination. Come experience the magic of old-time radio horror. Lord Bloodraw's nerve-wracking auditorium is available on Spotify, Apple, Google, and other podcast providers. Lord Bloodraw's nerve-wracking auditorium. When you seek the dark. Yes, my lords and ladies, as you heard, please leave your eyes at the door. You will not need them. Uh, I've begun a podcast called Lord Bloodraw's Nerve Rackin' Auditorium, in which I host old-time radio uh, horror and science fiction uh, episodes of classic series like Lights Out, Suspense, Inner Sanctum Mysteries. And um, these, these are really theater of the imagination these these episodes give you everything you need to build terrifying stories within your own head on the stage of your imagination and uh, it's available everywhere podcasts are available stitcher apple google spotify uh to check out the website go to anchor.fm slash lord bloodraw and uh, I'm also, uh, for you listeners in the Bay Area, every third Saturday night of the month, I'm hosting Chiller Diller Theater at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California, which is, uh, we like to call it your Saturday night monster matinee. Mm-hmm. So every third Saturday of the month at uh, the Orinda Theater, we present classic horror and science fiction films. In fact, as of the, this recording, Next Saturday, the 18th, December 18th, we'll be showing the Christmas classic Gremlins. <laughs> no, not. It's, it's going to be a fun one. So that's every third Saturday of the uh, month at the Arenda Theater. Of course, my regular TV series, Lord Blood Draws Nerve Rack and Theater, is still going and will be uh, going into season 12 wow. coming up uh, in March, I believe. Uh, you can go to lordbloodraw.com to check out uh, a new episode posted every week, plus uh, episodes of the Nerve Rackin' Auditorium and everything else going on in uh, in the world of Lord Bloodraw. Also, if you'd like to support what I'm doing um, as far as presenting uh, horror and science fiction and all of its various uh, incarnations, you can go to patreon.com slash lordbloodraw. And if you sign up there, you can get my uh, exclusive weekly show – Lord Bloodraw's Cathode Zone, in which I present episodes of classic television horror and science fiction. So mm. I'm presenting classic horror and science fiction movies, television episodes, and radio episodes in various formats that I'm doing. And uh, I'm hoping to have a comic book available soon. Oh. I've started writing a couple of stories, and I'm hoping to get that going at... Uh, at some point, so stay tuned for that. But again, check out, please check out lordbloodraw.com for all that information. That nice. will be cool. And then he will also have a cookbook coming out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on a, on a cookbook. I'm working on a chip that actually, that you can implant that will actually beam thoughts directly from my brain to yours. <laughs> That'll be coming in uh, 2032. You and the Department of Defense. <laughs> Shh, I'm not supposed to say anything about that. <laughs> 
Well, folks, this draws another Planet 8 to a close. Uh, I want to thank you guys for uh, all your support. Check us out on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure you check out Lord Blood Raws. A lot of good stuff coming out. And uh, until next time, stay safe. Peace out. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8, signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end. It was the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap, when out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer with a little old driver so lively and quick I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles his courses they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donna and Blitzen, to the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all! Boris, you know I'm really a fan of yours. That's very kind of you indeed, Vincent. Thank you. You know, I saw one of your pictures last night. Did you really? Yes. What a coincidence. I saw you the night before. <laughs> Tell me, was that your last picture? I hope not. <laughs> the two of us. No boogeyman is greater than the two of us. The people scream about the team of Carl and Price. Although we're as nice as can be. My buddy and me. There's just the two of us, and we'll be always traveling on. The two of us, there's lots of gore in pictures for the two of us. He used to shine as Frankenstein, and I was the fly. They forced us to die every time, to pay for the crime. They killed the two of us. But we'll be always traveling on. And late in the evening we come out and play. A couple of monsters on their merry way. We go to the graveyard for a corpse or two. So, so treat us kind or you may find the next one is you.
the nothing. See if you can stop him, Mr. Carlock. You take on, Junior. Oh, no, take a crack at it, Dancy. As I said, it's Vincent Price, and I wish you all a good night. That's all from me. <laughs> <laughs>